read today. The first one is from Isaiah 1, chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. Okay. Um, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened calf, cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and the special days for fasting, they are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. The next reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And the third reading is in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him and the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, <clears throat> there has been a lot of fodder for uh, the sermon today in, in the news. I began writing this sermon on May 25th, which was uh, one day after Uvalde's crisis and all those people killed. Uh, at the time of writing, 19 children, I think three adults and, and the shooter all died on that day, needlessly died. Um, the national reaction to the shoot, this sermon is not about the shooting, but I, I wanna lay a nest for, for you to think about our subject. The national reaction has been visceral, angry, raw. Um, I listen to those parents on the evening news and, and you can just see their, their feelings laying out for everyone to see. Too many times have we not, all of us, heard people say some version of, my thoughts and prayers are with you. My thoughts and prayers are with you. Politicians often keep this phrase handy 
for times when they're caught sitting on the sidelines of national distress and uh, are not doing a single thing and don't really have anything to say about it. It's always easy to say, my thoughts and prayers are with you. I've heard victims commenting lately, I'm tired of your thoughts and prayers. I've heard them actually say, don't give me your thoughts and prayers. I don't want them. Do something, they say. And I think that's a fair request. And it's what I want to talk about today. Um, Facebook creates a kind of deceit. And so in that, that sense, I, I really hate Facebook because of, of the deceit it creates in us. It, it creates this false sense of com community. Because I, I shared a, a meme or a picture or how I was feeling that morning that somehow this is, this is community, true community. It ain't. Teresa of Avila was a, she lived in the 1500s. She was a, a Spanish uh, nun. She was a, a mystic. And she said this, and I, I love this. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands but yours. No feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ, uh, Christ's compassion is to look into the world. It's your eyes. Your, yours are the feet with which he goes about doing good in this world. Yours are the hands with which God is to uh, hold people now. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? When you start thinking that if I don't use this to do God's work, then somehow God is diminished that much. This text, this first text that Erica read to us is from Isaiah 1. And he's, he's writing it to a nation that is bankrupt in terms of how it treats people. Uh, they're thoughts and prayers kind of religious leaders, but they're not really people who do anything that makes any difference in anybody's life. And so God says through Isaiah, this in-your-face surprising, even shocking thing when he says, I'm sick of your burnt offerings 
and the, and, and the fat of fattened cattle. I'm sick of it. We thought that God liked a good religious festival, right? That's why churches pay hundreds and even thousands of dollars on any, any given Sunday morning to have a, a great band and great music and great this and great that. And God says to us and to the people of Israel's time, I'm really sick of that. I'm really sick of that. He finishes up that section with, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Christ's eyes are my eyes. Christ's hands are my hands. And if I don't do it, Christ is diminished that much because of me, and I have no one to blame but me. This is one of the clearest, most direct statements by God that He's not impressed with self-satisfied ritual and thoughts and prayers formulas. He, he, he just not impressed with it. Another text. Uh, we didn't give this one to Erica to read this morning, but this comes from 1 Samuel 14. I love this text for a lot of reasons. Uh, Jonathan, who was son of the king, King Saul, uh, and, and the, peop, the, the armies of Saul are, are being threatened by the Philistines. The Philistines were their mortal, lifelong enemies. Philistines lived on the coast. Israel lived inland. Philistines were the only ones that had iron and could, could uh, create iron implements and hence articles of war. And... Felicia would not give that technology to Israel, and if Israel, an Israeli wanted to have his plow sharpened, he had to go to Philistia to get them to do it. So, this is a, a military conflict that's going on, and Jonathan slips away from his own troops and sneaks into the environs of the Philistines. So picture Jonathan by cover of darkness coming to an overlook to look down on the Philistine army. And he says to his armor bearer, listen to this, I've got an idea. I've got an idea, Jonathan says. Let's go to the Philistine outpost and taunt them. Maybe God will hear us. 
maybe God will help us in this endeavor. Jonathan is not pushing this responsibility off on anybody else. He accepts the personal responsibility that God gives us. And he says, this is, this is what I, I think we ought to do. And let's ask God to bless this endeavor and to be with us in it. He had a clear view of who the enemy was, and he was not willing to ignore that. He knew the enemy. He knew what they were capable of. And he felt responsible. And his prayer in this case was, I'm going to put myself in God's hands and ask God to help me do good. Those three things about Jonathan, namely that he, he considered himself responsible, he had a clear view of who the enemy was, and he was willing to place his life in God's hands, stand in stark contrast to thoughts and prayers. Here, here's a man who, who felt account, accountable at every level of his life and responsible, and he knew that God wasn't going to plan this, program this for him. That is, after all, why we are given wisdom, is it not? So he takes a risk. He steps out on the limb, and he asks God to, to be with him in that. James has the third text. James says, remember, one verse, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty straightforward. I was telling Ruby this morning that I was, I was watching the news, waiting on Beth to finish up, and the, the story I heard on the news was about this, this family, this, this, well, actually, it was a husband and wife, been married 58 years. Uh, they panned a shot of the inside of the house. It was, it was a disaster. It was, she was a hoarder, and it was just full of junk. And her husband dies. So when they come to get the body, they see the condition of the house and uh, they condemn the house. So she can no longer live in it. So now she's homeless. Well, across the street, she's Anglo. Across the street is a Hispanic family. Eight children living in a three-bedroom house. Loving, wonderful, compassionate family, the wife of whom goes across the street to this lady and says, don't worry, we're going to help you get through this. Now see, 
What you have here is you have a modern-day Jonathan. You have a person who says, I feel some accountability. I feel some responsibility for you. So they bring that lady into their home. The bedroom that her children had been sleeping in, they gave to her. The children loved doing it because they had her same spirit. And some agency at that point heard about this story and they they go to her home and they completely gut it and, and rebuild it and refresh it. And so it becomes livable again and she's given back her house. And she says... I'm going to bless that family over there too with my new house. I don't know how I don't know how that worked out. The story ended at that point. But but you can bet that relationship continued on. They considered themselves to be grandparent and 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 grandchildren. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then to not do it. James would say, no doubt, that such accountability rests on the attention that we pay to what is happening around us. The attention that we pay. Who's crying? Who who has some need that I can meet that's within my ability to speak to? One person may be able to do more. Maybe they have more money or more resources, but that still doesn't get this person off the hook. We're all on the hook. And, and it may be as, as small as writing a card or giving a hug or taking a meal. It may be something bigger like giving a large sum of money or whatever that might be or anything in between. But none of us is off the hook. I think that James also, uh, assuming that there is a right, there's a right thing to do. It's it's a decision that is full of integrity, um, love, God's approval. I know in my heart because I know my Father. I know what He would say about this because I know Him. I don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. I know my Father. James says, don't ignore that. Jonathan would say, don't ignore that. Pay attention to those kinds of opportunities that exist in life. There's there's the last text. That's from Philippians 2, which Erica also read to us. Paul had a deep conviction that God works within people, within God's people, to produce God's will. He believed that. kind of goes back to what Teresa of Avila was saying, that 
You are the hands and feet and eyes of God. The compassion of God. You are that. You can't pawn that off. You can't say, oh, that's why we hired you. You can't say, I'm so busy, I'm sorry, I've just got too much distraction, I can't do that. You can't do that. God is at work in you if you will allow Him. We know that God dearly wants from us that which Jesus taught us. D led us in the prayer. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're about. Thoughts and prayers don't cut it. I, I, I just now with all, I've never been so sensitive about this, but with all the junk that's going on in the world, it just breaks my heart now when I hear people say, oh, you, I'm, you got my thoughts and prayers. And I know I can't engage in judgment, but secretly I kind of wonder, I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder how they're going to become the hands and feet of, of Christ in answering this prayer. What's going to happen? Our thoughts and prayers response to the overwhelming need and suffering of the world is the opposite of what God calls us to. Listen to what he said to the Philippians. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. If you feel saved, if you feel the work of God in your life, Paul says, work hard to show that to other people. Number two, obey God because God is working in you. And number three, God's objective is to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases God. I, I'm here to tell you this is not easy stuff. It's not. It's one of the reasons I don't like attractional evangelism because you... It's sort of bait and switch. Sort of like, we're going to lure you in, we're going to attract you with all the lights and sound and whistles and bells and all that stuff. Mm, doesn't work. God asks us to give of ourselves. Whatever the cost, difficult as it may be, he still asks us to do it. I, I think God would say to us, look, I, I understand. I understand suffering. I understand pain. Look what, look what I did for you. I get that. What are you going to do about it?
current state of the world gives us a chance to test what we believe. You gotta love Steve Kerr, coach of the Warriors. You just gotta love that guy. After Uvalde comes out and he gives a press conference and he doesn't talk one word about basketball. He's known for this actually. He says, when are we gonna do something? I'm tired of the moments of silence. You know, when basketball games stop and they have a moment of silence for, he says, enough! We can't get numb to this. We can't just sit here and read about it and go, let's have a moment of silence, go dubs. Come on, Mavericks, let's go. Shortly after that, he walks off the stage. Steve Kerr was essentially talking about thoughts and prayers. That's what he was talking about. Well, we, we've looked a lot, looked at a lot. We've looked at four texts. Uh, I would encourage you to think about how seriously you take God's call in your life. Are you like a Jonathan, courageous, saying, I'm willing to take a risk, I'm willing to step out on the limb, I'm willing to do something that I can't even see the future on? Are you willing to do that? I, I think that's what's called for. Let's pray. Oh God, help us to be engaged with life, to get into the ring, as Roosevelt reminded, to get our hands dirty with the suffering and tears of the world, to be angry about injustice and power grabbing. May we live with integrity our life of prayer. Help us to never be caught up in the thoughts and prayers, deceit. Help us to actively Stay engaged with your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Amen. Amen.